0: Hello, and welcome to Somewhat Damaged. Don't worry, you're in the right place. I'm still your host, Greg Alperin, and while the name may have changed, the unhinged and unfiltered comedy stays the same. Sit back, relax, and listen to the hot and fresh new episode. Buckle up.
1: For free speech, I think, say whatever you want, but it's this funny, interesting thing we're in now where it's like, I almost feel with some stuff where it's like, okay, we got, like, we've heard like that joke like we know what you're going for but it's just sort of like just read the room don't do that that, just right now you know what i mean like it's just like give everyone a second
0: yeah it it was you know i felt like i i I, I put so much into it like i'm a branding person like by trade so i put so much into it over two years it like kind of pained me to be like all right this is it but you know she gave me really good advice which i really appreciated so did alex and um a couple other people whose opinions I, I super take very seriously. And I'm like, you know what? Like, it's 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 fine. Like, it'll be okay. It's,
1: it's also show business branding is so different than other types of branding where in the end, it's like you're kind of... What you're selling is actually the content. Yeah. Like, at a certain point, like, if you've been doing it for long enough, the name doesn't really matter. They just are like, that show I like... Right. ...that's on my Spotify that is on YouTube. well, Like, you know- I found it's just... Like, if you just do it at a time... Um, always at that time, always good. Right. You can call it whatever you want. Yeah, you know, no, totally. Still and it. yeah. It's funny
0: because, you know, I kept rationalizing it in my mind. Like, well, I mean... There's a super popular podcast called, I'm sure you've heard it, Guys We Fucked. And then there's, there's Come Town, which is Stavi's podcast. And, you know, there's, you know, Real Ass Podcast and Legion of Skanks and all these podcasts mm-hmm. with like, you know, and tons more. And I'm like, well, I mean, if they can do it, why can't I, you know, why can't I comfortably do it? And one person was like, well, you don't want to be considered like making fun of any one particular, you know gender group or something and i'm like god damn it you haven't you're right so
2: what up guys what's up john how are you good man good to see you how are you everything's good
1: I'm, i'm good i'm good you look so much calmer we met very briefly in la the first night you were doing sort of a show in covid procedures at the restaurant on santa monica Yeah, that's right. My heart just went, it was, I love, like, I, my heart went out to you because I'm like, this poor fucking guy has flown from the East Coast and is learning the difference between New York and LA, but it was this fascinating thing of, it, it, like, encapsulated everything that is different about the two cities, and it is this, New York City is still a bit of the, like, there are rules, we are the cops, by the way, these are the rules you have to follow, and these are the ones we don't. (laughs) <laughs> like, we're the NYPD, like we have actual crime and then you come to la and it's like we are the lapd we are an occupying force your shoes are untied there's a fine for that and you're like no like, like it's like it's and it was like watching it in real time and it was this thing of like We couldn't explain it to John. No one was aware of it, but, like, literally, like, it went from, like, this fun vibe show, and then you'd, like, peek in the corner, and, like, John is, like, stress-smoking, and the police are like, we know it's not a
2: protest! We know it's not a protest! (laughs) John is dead fucking on, man.
0: (laughs) It is is true about L.A. Cups, because when I was a a teenager or maybe early 20s, I got... um, got an actual ticket in Westwood on on UCLA campus for jaywalking, right? And like, I'm from the city and I I never crossed in my life at a crosswalk on time. And then this cop was like, you know, calls me over and I'm like, oh man, what's this about? And he was like, I'm going to give you a ticket for jaywalking. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? I thought he was fucking with me. And he's like, mm-hmm. can I see your license, please? And I'm like, my license for what? Like, do you need a walking license in Los Angeles? Like, what are you talking about? And he literally was like, don't be a wise guy. Take the ticket and just go away. What What's your name? Give me your license. And I was like, okay.
2: <laughs> Animal <laughs> Burgers has that great bit about walking through Montreal and mm-hmm. getting, getting the jaywalking ticket. And he's like, just take your funny money. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's out of control. But yeah, LA is definitely has that vibe. It's like, you know, like usually with NYPD, it's like we did a show outside uh, May 30th of, of last year. And the cops are like hey you can't be doing this kind of deal let's uh you know let's wrap it up within the next 35 minutes or like an hour and they're like we'll be going getting breaks so yeah sure <laughs> and then here it's like dude like why can't we have the speaker just like well and then literally the guy has the book out and he's about to like show me like like uh, like actual statute all right this is out of control. Next week we went the fucking headphones. We're like, fuck this noise. I'm not dealing with this anymore. It's it's like it's so
1: A, living in LA makes you understand every black flag song. Like you just get punk <laughs> from the eighties because you're just like, Oh, no wonder you guys are so angry. Cause this is like this is the thing I always think about because they are intense. Like and I've just had it on like I I don't drive in LA. Like I have a license, I just don't like driving. So I, t- I took public transport before COVID and you see the cops down there all the time. And it's such a difference of see- like the NYPD cops are exactly that of like, hey, you know, what's a murder? Like, don't worry about it. And, and it's actually calm. Like, I find the NYPD relatively calming. Like, it's a dude named Mike. He's from Nassau County. We can talk about hockey. Like, yeah. I don't know where they're fine. Like, ALAPD guys all look like they're on steroids. <laughs> Their haircut is too short. And they are, like, uh, aggressive. And just, like, you're like, you understand why people get agitated with you? is because you guys are literally, like, you're meeting honey with bullets. Like, just yeah. kill the fuck out. <laughs>
0: It is true. Like everything about the LA, like from the colors of the police cars, like in New York, the cars are like a nice sky blue and they're white. It's like not, it's not aggressively intimidating.
1: Oh, dude. And it was even, it was the craziest when the Black Lives Matter protests were happening this time last year and the LAPD just kind of went, I don't like these families walking down the street. Let's do some attacking. That was the craziest thing because they activated every LAPD officer on a Saturday night. And you don't know how many cops are in L.A. until they're all on the streets and you live in the neighborhood that's between the two riots. And you're like, oh, my God, like, this is so many more. Like, how many police do we need? Because
2: we've got all of them.
0: Like, oh. Well, anyway,
2: and I, and I hate to go back to like other comedian bits, but Bobby Kelly has that bit about the guy who has to put on riot gear for the first time in 10 years. And it's like, mm. it's like he's, he's sticking out like a, like, like a sausage almost. And it's one of the most visual bits. He actually did it on Fallon. But I saw the amount of cops that came through Los Angeles. And it's literally like, wh- like I had I, have, I had a cousin of mine who said he said, I had no idea that my next door neighbor was a police officer. Smoke with him all the time. He was a police officer. They just activated people and they were just like, Hey, we need you on the streets right now. Even auxiliary guys were given like uh, what do you, what are they call pepper bullets and everything. It was like, what the hell is going on? But Greg, did you press record? <laughs>
0: no, I did like an hour ago. So I was going to, what I was going to do was say in typical us fashion, we just kind of went right into it, didn't do an intro, didn't do anything. So for everyone who's listening, we're talking to the John Hastings. Just want to make sure know. everyone knows who we're talking to.
1: Hi, everybody. <laughs> so nice to be a part of this. We, uh, yeah, we yeah, Like all the podcasts I appear on, we immediately start with a dissection of the local police departments, wherever <laughs> we're broadcasting from, and we move, move on to other fun topics.
2: Yeah, let's talk. Uh, let's talk uh, Israel and Gaza next, guys. Oh, yeah. You want to do that? Get,
1: yeah, let's get into that exciting topic. Uh, <laughs> I can already feel that I'm texting with my parents, and we all know we're just avoiding discussing it because we all have different opinions and <laughs> we all like each other, and we don't want to get into it.
0: It's funny, I not that it's funny. I had to go to a, a shiva last night, and
1: Jesus, Greg, wait a minute.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, here we so, go. No, no, no. This is, let the. I good didn't realize time.
1: I was on Compound Media. Am I right, guys? <laughs> huh? You like that?
0: Let the good times roll. So not only was it just like a, a Shiva, it was an orthodox Shiva, right? So, you know, and I am, I may be Jewish, but I am the, the least, least religious person you'll ever meet in your life. So, you know, they're, they, you know, give everyone the book and they're, you know, you're reading from the book and I am from the jump lost. But the elephant in the room was the Israel-Palestine conversation that nobody... Nobody like, you know, a bunch of Orthodox Jews, like the rabbis and some of the relatives and then, you know, all the regular Jews over here. And, you know, you can just tell that the conversation was about to start and then nobody wanted to start it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I it, it they started touching on it and I just went outside. I'm like, I'm not. Uh, I just want to see one,
2: one <laughs> kid came back from his classes at Cornell and it was like Jewish occupying state of Palestine and just all over Bubby's. Shiva oh. just just completely.
1: <laughs> Bobby would have gotten out of the ground and been like, "Listen up, Avi. I don't care what they tell you at
2: that at that goyim school, all right? Um I didn't spend my hard-earned money for you to learn about Palestine at Cornell. You are you know what? Join the army. Join the army. It's,
1: it's uh, yeah. Hey, I by the way, Shiva, of everything the Jewish community has given us and they've given us so much. Kugel You could have stopped there. Um, Shiva, best, I think, best way to mourn someone's death in a weird way because it gives a schedule to the whole – you're like, you got a week, get it – Get it done. Get out. <laughs>
0: like, what it what perfect. it, you know, I'll tell you who invented it is grandmothers who didn't yeah. want to let have people have excuses not to come by. Like, you know, if it's a, you know, you have a, a, a like a Catholic funeral and and the wake and all that, it's like one day if you have an excuse, you kind of can miss it. But you're not missing a four or five day Shiva. Like, there's not, unless mm-hmm. you're out of town, and then that's not even an excuse.
1: Yeah. Oh no. And also by the way, I guess we've gone to very different Catholic wakes. I, there is no excuse to miss a – like, you, good luck. Like, you could try – both of my legs were shot off by an assassin. Well, there's hospitals
2: in this city, so I guess you can make it. No, I agree with you. I mean, listen, but the great thing is about about, about Catholic wakes and Catholic funerals is that especially if it's, like, Irish or Italian, is a lot of good food and a lot of good drink with those.
1: What's interesting about the sort of Catholic sex, and I think it was—I don't know—I think it was intentional—which is the Irish get painted with the boozy of that of the Irish Catholic. But you go to an Italian wedding or funeral, bring a helmet because like (laughs) it's going to get crazy. Absolutely,
2: that's definitely what you (laughs) you need. you You need like three days to recover from it
1: everyone is gesturing like sebastian Meneskelko. there's like blood feuds that go back two generations someone's threatening to get put i used to do a lot of catering and i remember at a it wasn't even like it was a, a memorial so it wasn't even a funeral it was like someone had died and they were like doing like a sort of remembrance after because not everyone could make it and i like out of a movie i heard someone with that low voice being like how about i put
2: you in the ground you can drink.
1: And I was just like <laughs> like I, stereotypes aren't real, but sometimes they're very close.
2: They're But they're hilarious, aren't they? John, oh God, nobody shows the Jake Flores. they will freak out on me.
0: Did I ever, did I ever tell you John or both of you Johns that um, I I was on a flight to Las Vegas, like 10 years ago. It was, it was, I was going to UFC 100, right? And I'm from New York to LA. I mean, not to Vegas with one of my buddies who is an, uh, a manager for one of the fighters. And we're on the flight and he looks to me and he goes, oh, by the way, we have to go to a funeral tomorrow, right? And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah. And then he mentioned this person whose father had passed, right? So I'm like, why do, what, why do I have to go to his funeral? And he's like, well, he's the guy that's, that built the booth. He's doing all this stuff for us. And I'm like, you mean the guy that I've been talking to every day's dad just died and now I'm going to show up in Las Vegas and have to go to this guy's funeral? What? He's like, yes. So we rented a yellow Corvette. To drive las to this vegas. guy's funeral Classic. have you ever been to a funeral in las vegas
1: no but i assume there's slot machines in the chapel
0: basically there is so this was one of the the weirdest things i've ever gone to i don't they don't very right. weird
1: that in the middle of someone's eulogy you could actually hear do-doo, 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 do-doo,
0: do-doo. <laughs> a million people yelling heart eight heart eight yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we we pull and they don't bury people in the ground in the Grand. desert they're all above ground right so what? Yeah, there's no, there's not, no, ba- they're all like above ground. Yeah. So oh, yeah, cause it's
1: all, sand. of course they are. Cause right. it, would, it would just be, oh, let's just put this body in the sand and wait for the wind. And then everyone wind to, to blow, blow and then blow yeah. all the
0: bodies around. So they're in these giant mausoleums. <laughs> and so we pull into this funeral and I'm like, we're pulling in, in a yellow Corvette convertible. Like clearly we're going to get looked at. No, Great. half could, of the people. Could, shoot. Could, just,
1: was the Corvette like okay, we land, all right, yeah, we're going to a funeral, but it's still Vegas, let's not fuck around. Or was it like, let's bring some levity to this, let's get the yellow Corvette. Like, Was the yellow Corvette connected to the
0: funeral? Yes, solely because it? of the funeral. So we, we decided we needed a car to go to the funeral. So we rented, we tried to get like a Ferrari or something and we couldn't because it was UFC 100, every exotic car was gone. Oh, yeah. So we, we wound up with the yellow Corvette convertible. So we roll into this casino funeral home and <laughs> unbeknownst, right yeah, yeah, yeah. the guy's father was a union guy that owned um like a trade show shop right so all of the people that were at this funeral besides like the 10 relatives were like hell's angels bikers on like the,
1: yeah I, I was mean, about to say like I, I, I just not to besmirch your friend but someone that's involved in unions in Las Vegas <laughs> He's old enough to be a father of someone that died. I'm
0: like,
1: "Mm." (laughs) he has some friends that are in some fraternal organization. Oh, it was
0: hysterical. So it's it's this and the guy was in the navy. So it was like a bunch of navy, like you know, veterans. They had an Irish band that was singing U2 songs, right? And then a and yeah, hysterical. And then a bugle corps doing like the navy hymns and stuff and all Hells Angels, like bikers. It was the fucking wackiest thing you ever saw in your life. And then at the end, it was like they just threw this massive party.
1: Uh, I mean, this sounds so fun, but already, and this is, again, I'm like relatively new to America. I've lived here just under two years, but mostly coronavirus So most I was inside, but America, and this I love it, is there is no irony in like mainstream people decisions. There is no shame or concern. The idea that you have two bands playing concurrently, both loud music, and in my picturing in the same room, yes, So of course, why would we need a bugle band? We need a YouTube cover band. Do you have two rooms? They will be playing at the same fucking time. I'll have you know. Now, yeah, let's go get some motorcyclists because Lord knows those machines are loud. All of that happening at the same time make a brisket. I got it. Like, you go to like anything like that in Europe, and it's like one sandwich that's wet and no one's talking and it's cold. And then you come to America, and like, I'm sure there's a t shirt gun at the funeral, and like, (laughs) there's like flame cannons, like the wrestler cane came in the ring.
0: (laughs) That's a perfect segue, actually. Actually, perfect segue to your wrestling podcast
1: release bring which, it on
0: which i know john and, and certainly me definitely want to talk about because we're huge wrestling fans and fanatics going years and years and years so the time we're living through yeah um I, i'm just well my my question uh first on your podcast is where did you like grow get the love of wrestling
1: I, like, from, from a I was kid like, from when i was like yeah, eight like it's also yeah. that weird think of canada i'm canadian and also right. wrestling is one of the only play- This is a weird thing to say but in the 80s and 90s, because we got all of our media from America, when you're a kid, no one mentioned the country I lived in. Like, no one said Canada ever on television unless you're watching wrestling. And then they would be like, Canada has given us all these good... Re- it's a it's a weird thing, but that's part of it. It's like it was a place to be associated with actual Canada. And here it's on television. And it's cool, you know what I mean? It's a guy in pink... Like, for me, it was bret hart was sort of my sure. first big era when he was the champion, yep. so early 90s and I, oh, I was actually more of an owen hart guy but that was sort of the first time i got into it and it's kind of just it's my football you know what i mean like i keep an eye on it i'm not always i'm not really following it right now but i can get back in it in two seconds like i'm right. just like Who's well
2: the that's why? the thing though john i mean listen in the last year and a half uh wrestling has kind of come back to the wars you get mm-hmm. this brand of aew I mean, there's a lot to, uh, there's a lot, there's a lot of, I I mean, there's, it's, there's a lot out there because there's New Japan, obviously. There's some, there's, you know, there's a bunch of new major league wrestling as well. But obviously now we got these two kind of main players. But you know what's funny is in the content threads, I always see the the pro AEW and then the pro NXTers and the pro WWEers. Like, where do you fall on that? I'm a I'm a I'm a real wrestling slut
1: uh, in that I kind of just watch all of it. I have, lot I here's my thing is I have huge ethical problems with watching the WD some WWE sometimes because sometimes it's just like this fucking like stop doing these things. This is making it. But I always get yeah, over breaking it up the hurt
2: business was terrible.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like just you know. <sighs> How can you treat Daniel Bryan that way? Oh um,
2: <laughs> but uh, he's going to NXT that- though. Definitely going to go to NXT. I'm calling it. You think he's going to NXT? I'm calling NXT, and the forbidden door is going to be blown open with something. Maybe I, th- I think it's going to be, it's probably going to be like Major League Wrestling or something along those lines. But it would be interesting to see. Once that does well, I think Vince will come around. And listen, this, this is these are pipe dreams, obviously. Oh. I think it's going to happen. I think within our lifetime, the next five years, watch a super card on WrestleMania.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't think we're going to get him working with AEW, but I wouldn't be surprised if he – MLW and ROH because I think that they see that they need to – be more inclusive to other people within the industry and it will give them some good PR. Also, Vince McMahon's going to die within the next five to 10 years.
2: I think he's going to
1: be honest. (laughs) Oh my God. Well, some of the decisions they've made over COVID, like to furlough all those people when you can see, this is such deep knowledge, but like long and short of forever listening. The WWE at the beginning of COVID is a live events company. They went, we are not going to be making the money. We thought all of these people furloughed. They then cut a bunch of deals and adapted so well and so quickly and got declared an essential service. They never missed job one to the point that last year was super profitable and they published that and still kept laying off. And you're just like, this guy's an evil. And then you look at AEW and you're just like, This product is not as engaging as I want it to be at times. And the decisions you're making in some areas, I'm just like, also, I don't like how Bernie bro people who like AEW can get. Like they're like, Well, you don't, you don't love the best friend? And you're like, no, fine, but like I don't understand why I have to like all of their matches drag a little bit. Like Orange yeah. Cassidy's very exciting,
2: but like I like Orange
1: Yeah, I think he's great. I think it's Darby yeah. Allen
2: last night put on a spectacular match uh with Miro, I thought like yeah. I-, I thought it was really good. Oh there are these little get, like- moments that they do that, that AEW does so well, and like I, I-, I-, I call them I-, I call them these moments because like there's this great moment where Sting and Darby Allen kind of gave each other our fifth pound, and it was like this this moment that like it was like yeah this is going down like simple this uh, I can I can harken this back to when like the revival will, when they were when they were up against uh, DIY and they grabbed each other's hands when they were getting when they were both in the submission, uh, being submitted. Those are these moments that that's that keeps me coming back to wrestling, and. Sometimes it does suck because I do hear about that. I hear about the shit, like the furloughs, you know, the Black, Tuesday or Black Mondays where they just fired everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but what that hold you? I mean, do you still watch the like, – does that make us, you know, less moral people?
1: I mean, I, I don't know. I kind of come down on it where one of those things where it's just like I don't – I don't buy WWE merch. I jump into rest. The other problem is, is that it's part of my, this sounds very arrogant and weird, but it's part of my job at this point. Like we've been doing that podcast for so long and we have an, a really nice, small, incredibly loyal and supportive audience. So it's also that thing of now it's like, I don't agree with everything WWE is doing, but I kind of need to keep my toe in for professional
2: reasons. And it's one sure. of those things. Yeah, like that's where like I come if down they on they ask you, I mean, listen, network is growing. They've brought on people like, uh, Sam, uh, Sam's now yeah. on, 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 the WWE network, uh, Roberts, you get people like, uh, what's his face? Um, uh, the old football player, uh, on that next, uh, on, on Friday night, Smackdown right now. Oh, uh, bums. Uh, anyway. Yeah. They're, they're doing a lot oh. of cross promotion stuff. Yeah. I, um, I, I know where your question
1: you- is going. I, I have no idea. It would be such a hard, like that would be, cause that's like dream, like you get to open the television and be in the television. Like, I'd be like,
2: it was, that would be a, Report, yeah. Bleacher Report reporters have gone over there. Like, yeah. I mean, do you go for the money? Do you, do you stand there and chill in front of, you know, a green screen in Stanford, Connecticut, knowing what's happening? And I, I'm not, I'm not looking for an answer, but I'm sure. No, it's
1: something I have thought about. Cause I'm like, I don't know. Cause I also wrestle with AEW, like the idea. Cause I think, and not for me, but I think what the a- what AEW's problem is, and is much fixable, is AEW just needs to bring in um, producers. They need to bring in actual guys that go, no, we're not doing that. I know you're a wrestler and you're friends with that wrestler. Like the buck stops here. And no, you don't get to do that because we're doing this and we're thinking not three steps. We're thinking 20 steps ahead. Here is our plan. No, we're not pretending to do a death match. That's stupid because right. we're not going to be able to do it because we're not in Japan in the 90s when you were allowed to almost kill Terry Funk. You were there was a weird time. Was Japanese parliament passed on it. That? Yeah, yeah, no, you weren't allowed to kill him, but you were allowed to almost kill him. Like it brand was a very tech.
0: you could brand yeah. him with his branding iron He's fine. Yeah,
1: you could brand him with his branding iron, you can just stab him in the arm with a fork, which is the weirdest ma- I don't remember I think it's Abdul the butcher did it, but it's the weirdest yeah. 'Cause it's the most unnecessary thing because he just grabs his arm and then just stabs him with a fork, and you're like, What oh, no, that's not the this is, this is okay, Fabian that you just stabbed a guy.
2: is there another thing though that, that you can see? I mean, listen, with the with Peacock and the NBC uh, kind of deal, we've seen things with any biography. And I think mm. uh, Dan St. Germain worked on a couple of things there. Soder was just on the Macho Man Randy Savage uh, uh Uh, special. Is there something else that you, and, and let's take also the Vice's show, um, uh, Beyond the Max. I mean, uh, Dark Side of the Ring. I mean, Chris Gaffert's involved in that. Is that something more that you would probably want to go towards instead of actually going to a specific brand at this point? Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, it's one of those things I would love to write for the, like, you know, all things being, I would love to write for the WWE for a year, just to have that experience, know what it's like, you know what I mean. If you're in show business, you might as well see how your favorite things are made. But it's one of those things where, at the same time, like you guys are all in comedy and and do a bunch of stuff that were things you used to love. Like I used to be a stand-up comedy fan before I was a stand-up comedian, and it's not that it's ruined it, but it really changes your relationship with it. Um, and as I feel that sort of same way with wrestling, because it's sort of that thing of I have a podcast, and it's much harder for me to watch, it, to watch it now if i'm working on it it would be impossible and it's one of those things where like it like i'm twitch streaming now so it's kind of that's kind of ruined video games and it's like right. can i just stop turning my hobbies into jobs cuz pretty soon i'm going to be doing my taxes to relax and that will be <laughs> awful
2: so
0: what, what do you how do you compare like the current wrestling to the wrestling of the 80s and 90s like where, not, were, where what do you as far i mean it's gotten to be much more in my eyes entertainment based than yeah. Yeah. What it was like you know back in the 80s 90s yeah you had piper's pit and some of this other stuff but you didn't have it, it, these like long drawn out you know backstage yeah, like the, and all of that the shit.
1: actual in ring and i'm sh- like the in-ring match quality is so much better the wrestlers are so much safer the actual but like how crazy it was and how interesting it was is down yeah. because it was also like like i was a teenager during the attitude era and when sure. ecw was a thing yeah And when WC, like, it was crazy, like, amazingly good. And ECW especially was so interesting because you just heard about it. You know what I mean? Like, it was this underground, which doesn't exist anymore because we have the internet. But you literally, like, I don't know how you guys, but it's like, you'd get one magazine or someone would get a tape that was traded 10 things down the line. Or, like, you'd see a photo. And it's, like, literally, like, the photo is of, like... You no, know, Bret Hart's in a wheelchair, and then this the NWO, and then you see ECW, and it's like Tommy Dreamers on fire
2: giving a promo, <laughs> and you're like, I wanna watch Yeah, PWI that. would pick up this picture and you're like, I wanna watch that. Yeah. I had the luck living in New York City while well, I lived in New, in Jersey. So we had the, you know, the the uh, you know, Paul Hammie's used to talk about that 12 a.m. slot on MSG yeah. Network that I used to be on Saturday nights. I remember watching and just like staying up and watching that watching ecw watching tommy dreamer get belted you know and please sir may i have another Do you know what i mean those yeah. unprotected chair shots like jesus like we've oh. come a long way from fucking rest holds you know for 25 <laughs> minutes <laughs> yeah
1: like we're, and that's the thing that's amazing that's what it's, like, and then wrestling is on the other side of that where it's still not rest holds but they can't do that intent like it was the last time watching wrestling where you kind of knew that that was like you knew it wasn't real. Right. But it might be. Like, it's. it was the last time where you could be like, like Mick Foley being thrown off the cage. They always talk about why that's iconic. The reason why that's iconic is the the situation between The Undertaker and Mankind was such that you could, as a fan, go, it is possible that wasn't supposed to happen. And, it is, and it is possible he may have actually tried to kill that guy. Like, there's, sure. for one second, and that will never happen
0: again in wrestling. You know, there, there was that point, and I, I don't, I can't pinpoint it because I've watched wrestling, you know, since the 80s, right? And mm. I, my father was a sports agent and happened to represent a whole bunch of wrestler football players that would wrestle in the offseason before football players got paid billions of dollars. And I, I can't remember when it turned from acknowledging that it was entertainment and the wrestling wasn't real to when wrestlers in the 70s and 80s would never admit that, right? So I, my, my dad's best friend, my dad's long deceased, but his best friend is still alive and was a professional wrestler in the Florida wrestling leagues in the 70s and 80s when they had mm-hmm. all these scattered leagues across the country, Main, you know, mainly the South, Southeast, Southwest, Northeast. And if I said to him today, and I have, I'm like, just admit that wrestling was fake when you were a wrestler, he would pick me up by my ankles and drop me on my head, and then ask me if that was real. And that—that's true story. He would do that, and he did it on an interview back in like the '80s when an uh, interviewer, like a late show. Night First of,
2: of all, you said the f word,
0: which you're never supposed to say. Yeah, it's you're
1: never yeah, supposed it's to pre, say fake. predetermined. Sorry. if you talk, even if you talk to wrestlers now, they will be like, it's not
0: that. Well, I don't when I you know what I mean when I say fake.
1: Yeah. I, oh no no I I We're, we're blessed. I'm offended. Voice. I'm fucking yeah. offended, Gregory. Yeah, he's about uh, to kick himself from those.
0: Well, okay, the end result wasn't predetermined. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, excuse me. I know exactly
2: when it happened. Uh, actually, uh, John, if you do you know the date or when it actually I happened? The day. I know the
1: date. I know what happened. Like, yeah, go I, ahead. I, I, I yeah okay. Well, and correct me if I'm wrong, because there's a couple. But it, the main one is Vince McMahon wanted to stop paying sports commissions and taxes for it being an athletic contest. And it and I got to hit. Credit to him, he went to the Jer- I think it was the New Jersey Tax Board is where he I, first did it, and went. It's not real. It's fake. It's fake. I'm not paying these taxes, and proved it. And by the way, to rub salt in the wound, in 1997, he then awarded that gave that governor a fake award at SummerSlam, clearly as a like, no, 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 I
0: don't everyone. Me My memory is so bad.
1: It's so weird that he does that, but yeah, and it shows have, us what kind of psycho he is. But yeah, no, it was ever- in New Jersey.
0: Covering wrestling, like having a wrestling podcast, have you ever been able to go backstage at a wrestling event to like see them get their, you know, coordinated?
1: No, because it's a weird it's a weird sort of show in that we're we kind of are mostly reviewing retired wrestlers or old wrestlers. So we did a year of Vince McMahon, it was sort of our biggest sort of thing for all of 2020. We talked about Vince McMahon for 52 weeks and it nearly destroyed us. So it's it's not very it's not keeping up with current. The other thing was it was started long enough ago that there were no wrestling podcasts that were trying to be funny about it. Like they right. weren't, they were trying to not embrace the weirdness, the stupidness, the evilness of it, the bizarreness. So it became that sort of thing. Like it's much more, uh, less about sort of the minutia, more about the lore, more about weird characters and stuff like that. Like you listen to our podcast and you're coming at it out of the cold. You would, you'd be, you'd be convinced mean Gene Okerland is a, uh, the most successful serial killer in the history of the United States. Um, like a bunch of, like Vince McMahon is essentially just a man who's shitting all the time and has no business acumen. Triple H is just like, it's just very sort of base, silly, goofy humor about in the wrestling world and then we give some information like we have a researcher and that poor guy gives us like 10 pages of really good real research stuff <laughs> You just and, us to read. Like- and then it's yeah we're yelling about buck Zumoff. i'm accusing jerry lawler of a variety of crimes like it's oh this- but that be come on
2: those a lot of those are stemmed in real
1: <laughs> yeah, both of them are so totally stemmed in real like it's one of those things where it's like i, st- I ha- i've had moments and it's that weird of like because you know the, the, the Oh, and i always am like if i said anything that i don't stand behind i'm like i've said some stuff that i could go to a court over on that podcast but we would win the case it's like it's, and it's all about jerry lawler at least the moan one and i'd be like he's not bringing that case he doesn't want to and i would by the way i'd be like mr lawler Let's do this. <laughs> yeah, way more Twitter followers than I do, and I would like some of them. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I guess
0: that, because I I've been lucky enough to to be backstage at a bunch of stuff, yeah, mainly yeah. TNA when TNA was.
2: Yeah. fuck
1: you!
0: No, 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 no. I, 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 I'm just going. I
1: know back. Bubba the Love Sponge too. Right? <laughs> oh god. <laughs> Whatever.
0: <laughs> <laughs> So I was, I did have the opportunity to watch some of these guys, you know, like choreograph their mm. their match, right? And it was one of the more interesting things to like watch guys do because clearly you have to have some, you know, you have to know what's going to, ha- you know, what's going to happen in some overarching way to coordinate ending, beginning, you know, not necessarily um, middles, but you know, the, the key points, and it was super interesting and i'm gonna i'm taking it back to me saying fake because there's nothing fake about what these guys do in a ring nothing like they are some of the most superb athletes if you know if not the most superb athletes like for the size they are for what they're able to do in a ring at full speed yeah. you know i mean it's in freaking insane
2: yeah yeah it's as, as a fan john do you feel do you like it when they pull back the curtain a little bit like Greg just talked about choreographing matches. There's that There's that YouTube video of Mankind and The Rock choreographing their one of their matches. The I
1: Quit match. Yeah, I don't. It's that weird thing of it's like I like, don't like it as a rule, but I love it when it's done right. You know what I mean? Like it's that thing of like, like to use another to use a stand up analogy. Like I hate, I hate when a comedian stands on stage and goes like, No, best part of my job. Hanging out with you guys. I hate that as a rule, but I love Bert Kreischer. And Bert Kreischer does that more than anyone else. But it's like, but I like it the way he does it. The way he does it, it's great. And that's that same thing of like, I hate when Vince Russo, this is very inside. I hate when Vince Russo does a pull back the curtain reveal angle, but I love when Paul Heyman does it because Paul Heyman knows how to do it where it's organic and it's interesting. Vince Russo's saying bro and being... Awful, like it's just like yeah. You uh, want to shoot
2: cowboy, kind of like uh, yeah, that's like exactly. that's better than than Hulk Hogan is no longer welcome here. Yeah, at this, you know what I mean, and, and just it's, destroying he, it. I, I agree with you, you know, but it's like it's uh, like how Paul Heyman won't
1: when he does Q and He doesn't talk about Brock Lesnar. He goes, I'm not talking about Brock Lesnar because I because you whatever anything Brock Lesnar does, he does for real. Like Paul, Paul Heyman's on record as saying okay. maybe. Be the streak wasn't supposed to be broken that night and brock just did it anyway and right like, i don't believe that paul but that's it's i like that he's still doing it i he, love the
2: he, shirt and cape he, sprinkled in as well yeah, like, like yeah. It's, that, that's it do you know what i'm saying like you get you get what i'm going with that where it's like i, I, I get it I, I get it so do you have a program that like i mean listen and, and we're talking a little bit more about about into uh, getting depth of wrestling oh, but awesome. is there anything that like like, do you appreciate these twenty fours for like WrestleMania that the network's doing? Yeah. Or would you rather see a dark side of the ring?
1: I would rather see a dark side of the ring because I think the dark side of the ring is more neutral. They're not pushing an agenda and a react. Like, I like some of the documentary stuff the WWE's put out and some of the historical stuff. The problem is the WWE is pushing historical general. Like, if you look at, well, they the stuff- history. Yeah, they're rewriting history. You look at any of the stuff the WWE puts out of a WCW. Like, the WWE is... We were cool con-collectic boys that knew it would all work out versus a bunch of men pissing their pants. Like It's just like, no. WCW had a better product, was a more interesting show, and they do weird things like the entire discussion of WCW beating WWE is predicated on the NWO, which wasn't true. WCW was already beating the WWE with an angle that no one talks about that was one of the bet The WCW feud between... Macho Man and Ric Flair was the best those two performers have ever been. Like, they did something that was so smart that I hope they never repeat again, but I loved, which was they had a match and it was delayed by 10 minutes because neither man would walk out because they knew as soon as one walked out, the other one was going to attack them in the entryway. And then finally Ric Flair walks out and Macho Man attacks them in the entryway. Like, it's that perfect sort of going. like these Like, that's what I love about wrestling the most is when you can go, I know it's predetermined. I know that this was scripted, but for one second, I think they actually dislike each other. Like, it and and Macho Man is so good at it. Ric Flair's and it's like the height of Ric Flair being a bastard. He's always having dinner by the ring, and literally like Macho Man's just showing up in teal tights and attacking him. Like he threw like it's so intense. And it, they were beating WWE in the ratings with that angle before the NWO was even mentioned, and they never talk about it because. It was Bischoff doing the smartest thing and going, that feud started in the WWF. They never resolved it because Vince McMahon drops
2: angles. Fuck it, we'll finish it. Yeah. And it's right. so good. And not to mention, I mean, the, the biggest heel turn before Hogan was the Elizabeth turning on the Macho Man. Him, like, that was huge.
1: Yeah, one of I mean, the weirdest Hulk Hogan promos ever where he's talking about the shoe because how... It, they had them turn was a tag team match, and Elizabeth, you told me that shoe fell off, but I think someone, I think you took it off your foot, and you're just like, Hulk, I don't think this is the... This Dude, is that is be... deep,
2: John, that you get into that, that you know, like, even, even I... like...
1: The words, I am Mads, irritating I, on this subject on it this gets subject. very annoying because it's like, Oh oh oh, we're gonna do this? All right. Well, come over here to the virginity
2: machine. <laughs> it's just You have no
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> You have no idea how excited I get about this because as a wrestling fan, you know, and it's funny, it's still looked down upon, obviously. But let's talk a little bit more about your comedy career. What yeah, I mean, do what so what are you currently doing now? So you just moved down from uh Canada. No, you know, Canada where in Canada were you actually?
1: Uh, I'm from Ottawa. I moved from England. So I was in, uh, started in Montreal, moved to Toronto, then moved to England for seven years, then moved to LA end of 2018. Okay. Sort of like doing that sort of stuff. So it's this sort of weird mix of uh, obviously, you know, trying to get into clubs and stuff like that. But then I'm also do a lot of sort of the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, the Melbourne International uh, Comedy Festival, sort of hour long arts festival comedy shows that, and then also, you know, Typical uh, stand-up stuff. Um, I've
2: always mentioned, and being from a a Western uh, comic, uh, you know, and and, uh, this side of the pond, really, we always talk about, like, we always talk about um, these one-hour shows that literally everybody from Jack Whitehall to Ricky Gervais to writing an hour every single year. And God forbid you do another, like, the same joke on a show like, you're eating alive for it. How do you break that up here? Like, how do you kind of culminate all that together by doing fives and tens and fifteens when you don't have, like, a theater? Like, I-, I see, like, a lot of guys before Edinburgh, they'll rent out a small space, you know, maybe, like, three towns over, and they'll run for, like, two weeks the same hour over and over. How do you – I mean, nobody's giving hours out in L.A., definitely,
1: right? No, 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 no. And it will, it's a couple of tricks. So what you do is – and it's it was – I'm not the best at, like, I, I'm not the best at, like, every aspect of planning my career. Like, you talk to someone like Jack Whitehall or, like, those guys that, like, had, like, certain things laid out in their head. And, it like, literally, like, this to this to this. I've never been that good in detail. But the one thing I knew is I wanted to get out of England, but I like doing Edinburgh. I wanted to live in L.A. because I love the vibe and the show business of it. And I thought about New York for spots, but I'd already lived in a big, gross city, which was London. And I needed, like, I needed a change. So here is what you do in that one, because you know you're right. You're not getting hours brought out. You can't headline on the road. That's the first thing to remember. So what you do is you look at your year as sort of segments of getting ready. So Edinburgh ends in August. So September, you can kind of chill, be in LA, work on stuff. But like at this point, A, most comedians who do Edinburgh all the time have someone they work with, usually called the director. But they actually more are like a producer, like for a band, in that they're not going take a sip of the cup. Your father is dead. Emote. What they're doing is going. We need you. You need to have these jokes need to be better. What's going to make these jokes better? Like they're not writing them for you, but they'll sit there and be like, "No, this isn't working." That sort of stuff. You have someone to bounce off of, which cuts down on some of the time. You then are doing you do as many spots as you can, September until December. Uh, in New York or in in LA, I usually will try and go to New York at some point in that for a couple of weeks, bounce around, bounce around, bounce around, bounce around, do that. January comes, go to England, England, you can run stuff in a basement for an hour and you literally take a notepad out. You run it for an hour, that sort of stuff. Usually then what I've done is then put the last year's Edinburgh show to bed because they'll do a run at Soho theater come back to the U.S., hopefully headline a couple of B and C rooms is where I'm at my level now, um, and then go to Australia for a month through the Melbourne, uh, debut the hour there, um, and fingers crossed it works. Uh, If it doesn't, throw everything you have at at it to get it to work as fast as possible because reviewers are coming in, all of that sort of stuff. Come back to LA, headline a bit more, and then go to the UK in July and run it every day of July in what are called Edinburgh previews and then take it to Edinburgh is how wow. it, is how I've done it. And what I like about it is it gives it structure. Uh, I also like doing it in five and 10 minute spots because it means that every bit has to work. It also, the thing that is a bit hinky is I have to make, you have to work on Joe. If you're gonna do Enbra one year, you have to think about it that it's, you have to remove cultural references from it.
0: Because mm-hmm.
1: even LA to New York, it's different culturally, and then LA to Edinburgh, so different. So that's the main sort of trick to it is how you just wow. do it. That's the, that's it, my. It's, it's
2: crazy because like I hear the stories of like you know just working on a thirty-minute uh, for let's say you know a Comedy Central showcase or something along mm-hmm. but you know there's a lot more that goes into that hour. And the funny thing is, is that there's a there, there's a pop there's there there's a there's there's a uh, percentile of people in in the industry and actually in the the comedic community that don't consider these kind of Gervais and these um these England uh these UK specials that come out on the hour they 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 think that Eddie Izzard isn't real stand-up and my thing is like it's such a lost art form and John you're kind of pulling that all together and it's like oh, in I this new way idea. and Plus, you're doing your podcast and shit like that. And you're going to these rooms and headlining like it's that that is the purest art form. And I I, I, I haven't said this on the podcast yet, Greg, but that is exactly what I think when I think of art form of stand up comedy. That's precisely it. Um, what John is doing. And, and kudos to you, man. That is you, that's friend. fucking
1: amazing. Um, thank you. It's great. All the hours last, and I was making a joke about how the hours the last three years have been terrible using that system, but no, 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 it's one of those ones where it's also like, there's also so much, like, I'm sure you guys have both experienced it, but it's this interesting coming out of COVID, which I hope sort of goes away. But instead of the last few years, there, like, it was sort of like there, there was a way you do it. Like you get your, you're in New York, you get passed at all these clubs, you get three Conans, then you'll move to LA and then you will get a special and then you kind of just sort of hang out in LA for a while and you say weird stuff in front of the improv, like, let's make it happen. And then <laughs> later you die. Like that was sort of the, like the trajectory. And what I think is sort of happening is people are going, well, I, I don't want to do it that way. Like, it's that sort of thing of like, I, like, I want to do, I want to do it this way. Why do I have, and I think that because of COVID everyone and zoom shows and everyone had to be a bit more creative. It is going to be that way. Like, the amount of people that have moved to Austin, I think some of them now are doing it just because I think it's the thing to do. But Tony's doing like, well, right? Tony seems to be doing very well. I mean, you know that. that let's see how that video, what that video does for his <laughs> career. Happy AAPI month, everyone! Cool. <laughs> like, listen, I say whatever you want. I like. I don't think Tony Hinchcliffe was racist. I think that that was just a really stupid thing. Like, it was just
2: stupid. Like, like oh my what the fuck were you thinking man like, like i mean i i'm not a fan of tony's and i mean like i think he's a great i see his appeal is and i don't mind saying this as a booker because i don't care i'll leave comedy tomorrow um i'll make my 30 dollars somewhere else yeah. but i at the end of the day it's like yeah it was crazy to see that but yeah just to back to your point the path to the quote-unquote uh the the promised land is there's so many different ways to go at it. I mean, what's your feelings on TikTokers and Instagrammers?
1: I mean, like, go nuts, go, good luck. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, like I'm like, i like, I, like, going to your point of even going, like, just to relate it back to the the Tony Hinchcliffe What I don't know, for those of you who don't know, and maybe you listened to this years ago, while this is being recorded this week, video of comedian Tony Hinchcliffe was out where he said, like, the craziest things after a,
2: yeah, uh, he, he, a definitely, he definitely, definitely, it was, it was, it was an attack on one, an Asian American that he does that he doesn't know. Number two, you don't do that to a fellow host. Do you know and what that I mean? That was
1: my thing with it too. Is it's going like, but he's on stage with you. What? Well, don't fucking do that. Like it's just like,
2: yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just, I get it. I listen. There's like, for example, the Shane Gillis thing. Did I think Gillis did something like, yeah, did I think it was offensive? Should he have lost his job over it? Absolutely not. Do you know what I mean? Like yes. I, you need to be able to separate those things. The biggest, the biggest thing was like Tony, like if you even hear the audience reaction, it's the excitement, but then they're just like, oh dude, come on. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, like yeah, you can definitely feel the vibe seep out of the room. And the biggest offense was don't take down another comedian on the show with you, especially the fucking host. Yeah,
1: like it's, uh, yeah, listen, you're hitting me. You're. We are in complete agreement about the whole thing. And it's that weird thing about, be- I always find these things when I'm a stand-up. I always want to be like, I'm going to have a different perspective on it. And I need to only speak to comedians about it because it's now going to make me sound like a crass idiot. But like my <laughs> things about this are going to be weird, but actually they are important and will help. Um, <laughs> but I think that that goes to all of it is, here's what I think is going to happen post COVID. I think is very good is that I'm really hoping people are going to, A, we're going to stop with this sort of like weird, like, you know, I'm a comedian, man, I'm a bandito. Like, it's just like, shut up. We're all, we're, we're men and women with jobs. Go do your job. Here is the way to make the jobs the easiest place. Everyone should feel safe because we're at a job. That's that's what it should be. And I think yeah. COVID is going to help that because it's I think it's going to have burned off a lot of the tourists. And I think that also from comedians, bookers, podcasters people around it people are going to be back doing it because they want to do it you said it perfectly you can go make 30 dollars a week somewhere else you're doing it because you like doing it we you know greg you're a stand-up comedian as well yes no no oh i was just because you're on stage at stand-up new york i assumed that you were but it's that thing of as a stand-up i I had a
0: i broke in i broke in.
1: you broke it yeah you broke in set up a green screen in front (laughs) of that and then green screen but it's that thing of We've had a year where everyone had could have made a choice to go do another career. If they're still here, I hope we're all doing it with love and respect for each other and trying to make it as easy and fun as possible. And there's going to be some growing pains. Some people are going to say the craziest racist shit after a host. And we're going to see what happens as a result. Like, and sure. I, I, I don't want him to lose his gig. Here's what I would like him never to do that again. Here's the bigger thing that is very funny about sure. show business. I don't think he would nearly have gotten as, as much trouble if Tony Hinchcliffe hadn't rubbed so many fucking people the wrong. Yeah. Because it's the funniest thing about it is everyone did exactly what John does. He goes now. Here's the thing: I don't like Tony. It is so. They're like, I do respect him. Very funny. Don't like him. <laughs> and everyone's doing that. And it's like, it's the same. And it's the weirdest thing about comedians too. And like, sh- like comedy is it's like, it's like we. There's a lot more allowance of you're like, yeah, he's a nice. Like I like, he's a good guy. And then you're like. He is not a good guy. Like it's just this sure funny thing.
2: And and you know you brought up like I, I've been i I've listened, I've been back and forth. Obviously uh, there's some people that uh, you know attack us on on social media, you know and you know try to call out you know flaws that we definitely have there specifically you know allowing you know booking thick people like Aaron Berg and people from Compound Media, but the end of the day is that like I don't necessarily appreciate their humor that they do outside. But the biggest thing is is that. If you think that some of the, that, that a lot of these comics go on stage and just blast the n-word or racial slurs or just play only on stereotypes, and that's their only act, it's not the truth. You know what I mean? There is so much more that they do that allows us to book them, and it's. And I don't want to get into it too much because there is a little bit of me, and I'll be honest with that like it does hurt that you know, like somebody like Aaron. Berg, who I respect, and I, you know, and I can sit like I've been to his house, but it does it does affect me that he does these things on uh, on his radio show that you know are are offensive, you know. But at the same token, as a business person, I have to put him on stage because he will crush every single night and make sure that 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 they go home happy.
1: That's an interesting. I never even considered it from that angle. It's an interesting sort of way in perspective. Have you ever spoken with someone like Aaron to be like and actually said that to him?
2: Yeah. I have a good open relationship with Aaron that I said like he has this one where he does an Asian stereotype and it's it's the cross-eyed the the teeth and everything. And I said, "Dude, that's fucking ridiculous." What are you fucking like doing Aaron.
1: Like listen, I've known Aaron I knew Aaron when I started in Toronto. Like I've known Aaron for years. And sometimes yeah.
2: you look at it and you're like, "What the f- Aaron? What the yeah. fuck are you doing?" Exactly. Because I know who he is as a person and I, and like, and listen, I get why a lot of people are painting him in that, right? But at the same time, he's making money off of it. But and and, and somebody said to me the other day on Twitter said, said, yeah, but he was nice to me. Yeah, I, I get it. But at the same token, I know that it hurts a little bit that sometimes I have to put People like that on stage. It pains me to put somebody like Jerry Seinfeld on stage when he walks in the club because I don't like him as a person. I think that he's funny. There's like, I'll be honest with you. There's people that I put we put on stage because we have to. That I don't like their comedy, but we know that it does well. At the mm. end of the day, that allows me to run somebody like you who's coming out from LA a sixty-minute set because I just sold out Saturday night, so I can take I can take. You know a lower ticket sale you know for uh for somebody coming in from la that's only going to do 40 percent of them or 50 of the room on a wednesday mm-hmm. night i can support that so yeah it's, and it's a the lot the, of what, what, growing to do.
1: but what i do and i i hate this this has been so fun i hate i have to run in a second um, no. but what i do and i want to just to say your point which i do actually and it makes me very hopeful for the future i don't like that I'm in a business where people have to go, well, he crushes, but I fucking hate some of the other stuff he does or she does. It's 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 a a blanket thing not to single out Aaron. But what I do like is that there is a dialogue about it. And I do think we're going to move forward from this. I do think that in general, things are going to get better. It's not because I think that people are coming out the other side and are hopefully going to get some empathy. There are going to be some dark corners forever. And it's just going to be that sort of thing. But I think moving forward, it is going to get better. And I think people are going to, it's less and less and less. It's also been brought out of the fact, I think that Trump being president, and it was this whole thing of we can go and needle the libs. That's where I think all of that comes from. And I think that that's going to go away because it's not going to be as culturally important. Am I going to be right about this completely? Probably not. Are there going to be comedians still paying really fucked up shit? Yes. Is John just going to walk out during the podcast? No, no, no. I
2: was my archer's done. No, no, this, that's
1: why. Why. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know more hasty. I'm hating. fucking
0: I, out. I know we yeah, it. Yes, yeah, yeah. We, we just each of us just eventually just walks off.
1: Yeah. You know, welcome to the Aaron Berg just bursts through all of our individual screens. <laughs> yeah, and let's bring him out. Actually, Greg, can we? <laughs> oh, yeah. Aaron. Oh,
0: it's so funny. It's, it's, it's You got to get him a step stool.
1: But does anyone, this is the last thing that I have to, I have to hilariously go- Go, 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 go to please. Talk about Aaron Berg to I have to go then talk to a school. But here's the one thing that I do think that is, is so interesting and I do like is that people are naming names in this situation and it's not coming from a place of fuck that guy, but it's like, here is an example of what we're talking about moving forward, blah, 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 which I think is actually, because for years, no one would say the names on podcasts and there wouldn't be an open discussion and then it would become this whole thing of like, well, maybe this person, maybe that. but And it's just like one of those things where it's like, No, let's actually say it. And it's like, I I think Aaron's such an interesting example, too, because I'm sure that he is someone that it also was probably impacted his career, those characters and stuff like that, because some people are going, I don't care if he crushes. I'm not having him in my room. And it's just one of those things where I'm like, I always, I'm like, when I see people doing that sort of stuff, I see people like leaning into the mega of it all or the anti-mask stuff. I'm always like, this is a trend that's going to go away, but you're still going to be here. Like, you have to sort of think, like, how is this going to age? Do you know what I mean? Like, you don't want to be, you know, Say we always, like, Sam Kinison's a legend because he died. Sam Kinison would have been the saddest, weirdest headliner in 2021. Oh, my God. I think about that all the time. I think he would have been decapitated in 2017.
2: (laughs) Like. Like like it's, it's, it's unbelievable, but you're absolutely right. But I think the open discussion is there. And, you know, John, you bring a great thing, uh, uh, you know, a great idea, and you're bringing back that kind of uh, – that you can build your own path, which I love. And it's it actually is the class path on how to kind of make it, and you're running it. Whenever you're in New York, we'd love to have you, my friend. Uh, you know oh, that, man. so.
1: Oh, you know, I'll, you'll be getting a fun comedian, the uh, semi-organic follow-up email as soon as the pod. John, great to see you. Just to let you know the dates I'm in town. Good, you know what I mean? Just happened to run into you at a place I don't live that you do specifically. You know what I mean? I just, I, I'm going to do this. What, and then, can I just ask this of John? Because he's a booker and I'm fascinated. What is the weirdest way a comedian has emailed you to try and get spots? Like, what's the weirdest subject line? What's the weirdest attempt they've done to try and get spots?
2: I'm dying. I'm dying. And it was to get on stage because they uh, found out that they had cancer. And they wanted to try stand-up comedy. It was the weirdest that I've ever gotten. And I pursued it because there's a little bit of my heart that's like, maybe this is the truth. And... We booked him, and to, to my own credit, and to my own tenacity, I'm I booked him on a bringer show. still alive. Show. <laughs> still alive. That person, yeah, I booked him on a bringer show.
1: That's a booker right there. That is a, yep. you know what, here's, and, the, uh, here's the difference, he never, by the way, between a good comedy club booker and a bad comedy. They, any comedy club booker putting that person on a bringer show, good booker admits it, bad booker goes, I had no idea it was a bringer show. <laughs> that.
2: Um, yeah, never showed up. But Well,
0: John, I'm going to do you a favor, and uh, I'm going to I'm going to leave in John's question. I'm going to take out your answer because then you're going to and me. You will ultimately get me flooded with emails, also. Of- I love it. And then you're going to be put in a position of having to choose whose life you're going to save. I mean, uh, I'm gonna, I don't want
1: to I, I would say you have to know the cancer. Pancreas, yeah. yeah, you're getting I mean, on stage prostate mate you got five years you know <laughs> go, do some, go, do, go do some open mics in brooklyn for a year and a half then come with the good chemo material you know what i'm saying any hair loss if there's hair loss like that's gonna at least get a,
2: like three for that <laughs>
1: yeah you're doing that thing where just some of your nails have fallen off which is a weird thing i learned about a friend having chemo where you're just like oh my Oh
2: my God, I want to be like your best friend now because you're like wrestling and like I love the conversation we have been having. Where can we find you on social media, man?
1: You can hit me up at the John Hastings on all social medias and find me on Twitch, John Hastings Comedy, where I do Twitch stream uh, Sunday through Thursday at uh, 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. We will see you there.
2: Amazing. One, one One last question, really quick. What was the best thing you ate this week? I can tell you that. I had a
1: salt bagel breakfast sandwich. And you want you want to poach that egg. If you're in a restaurant, I was at home, fried egg, phenomenal. Can't Ooh. Ooh, guys very back. good. Thanks, John. Thank you so much. I'm so sorry I have to run off. This Thanks was uh, go Black. go. This is awesome. Thanks, Thank John. I'll talk to you guys Can't soon. Do. Thank you so much.